The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Our country, the noblest country in the history of men, was based on the principle of individualism, the principle of man's inalienable rights. It was a country where a man was free to seek his own happiness, to gain and produce, not to give up and renounce, to prosper, not to starve, to achieve, not to plunder, to hold as his highest possession a sense of his personal value, and as his highest virtue, his self-respect. With me today, Dr. Andy Bernstein. Andy Bernstein has his Ph.D. in philosophy. He taught at Pace University, and he has given talks all over the country at Harvard University, Stanford, RPI. could go on and on with the list. He's the author of countless articles. He's written several cliff notes, and he's written a novel, The Heart of a Pagan. Today we're talking about your freedom, freedom and happiness. How can you make the most of the fact that you live in the United States? Welcome, Andy. Good to be here. Dr. Ellen. Oh, it's wonderful to have you on. I was in New York City recently, and I'm in the cab, and the cab driver's talking a foreign language, and I'm thinking, where's he from? <laughs> What's going on here? And well, he's it, probably from the Bronx. He's probably right. He probably sounds like you and I, me with my Cranston accent and you with the Bronx. <laughs> right. or is it Brooklyn or Bronx? I'm from Brooklyn. He's oh, you're from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. So he, he had a very, you know, it was a, definitely a foreign, unidentifiable language. It wasn't French, which I know. And so I said to him, where are you from? And he said, he's from Bangladesh. And then he talked. He, he didn't talk much. You know, I expected a tour. We were going down to see Ground Zero, actually. And he said that um, I asked him what he did in Bangladesh, and he said he was a bank manager. And when I got a look at him through the mirror, he was a very dignified-looking man. And he said that he came over here for his—he uh, came over here for his freedom. He came over to become an American citizen. He's been here several years, and that he's looking to rise up the corporate ladder. And he doesn't mind starting as a cab driver. He—he he was also very proud of his 11-year-old son. I mean, you're only in the cab a few minutes, and he's telling us about his son who received high honors in school. Right. Such a level of ambition. And I'm wondering, why do people who come over here from other countries have a level of ambition that many Americans don't? We know that's a, that's a good question. I think, first of all, we need to realize we get the best from other countries who correspond to the best people in our country, the, the most ambitious, the most rational, the, the ones who, who have the strongest drive towards uh, personal success and happiness. Uh, I, mean, I mean, just think about how difficult it is to tear yourself away from the only country, the only culture you've ever known, the family, the friends, the people you know, and travel you know, 8,000 miles across the, the world across the globe to a whole new uh, country. And you, you see you get the, the, the bravest, the most courageous uh, individuals in that society. Um, and somebody like, like him, I mean, these people escape from political tyranny all across the world. I mean, they'll swim over from Cuba, practically, and escape from th th these dictators in, in order to pursue their own happiness. So that these are individuals who will not submit neither to uh, political nor psychological tyranny. So uh, um, no matter what the opposition is, whether it's a political dictator that they have to escape from, or even if it's a voice in their, or somebody in their own family, or even if it's a voice in their own subconscious that got beaten into them by their culture telling them that they're worthless and, and they're undeserving of happiness, they fight against it. They, they rail against that kind of tyranny. They know that the meaning of life is, is personal values and, and the pursuit of happiness. So they're not going to let anything stand in their way. I want to look at this from a different angle 
Landy. What if what what types of methods do either bullies in your family or the tyranny in your own mind or do dictators use to try to get you to give up your happiness, your life, your goals, your dreams? What types of methods? If we could just name some of the methods. Well, there were two, there were two that come to my mind right away. The most obvious one is brute force. Okay. Um, certainly with dictator, you know, you know, political dictator, even sometimes, sometimes I don't think generally, but sometimes parents will, will beat their children or, or scream at them and intimidate them into, uh, you know, physically in, intimidate them into doing what the parent wants with, with no explanation as, as to why that has to be done. Uh, I think most people can identify that as evil, and they uh, they rebel against it. But the more subtle method, I think. Let me, I don't tell a story very briefly. I think it'll illustrate. When I was a kid, hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. Thirty seconds. That's it. A very quick ad, and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. <laughs> Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, here it is, The Selfish Path to Romance, a serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. But the more subtle method, I think, I don't tell a story very briefly, I think it'll illustrated. When I was a kid, I was in Brooklyn. I remember I was walking down Coney Island Avenue one day, and, and this, this bunch of thugs jumped out and, and said, one of them said to the other, oh, there's, there's the guy who beat up your little brother. You know, and this was a pretext for them to, to mug me. And that was completely false. I, I didn't, and they knew that. I never, I didn't know these guys. I didn't know their little brother. I was completely innocent. I knew it. They knew it. But notice what they're trying to do. They, 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 and these guys are like semi-illiterate thugs. But even them, they, they, some visceral gut level, they realize they need to usurp the moral high ground from you by making you feel wrong, by making you feel guilty, by making you feel worthless. And so they, they, uh, what parents often do, and certainly what dictators in communist or Nazi countries will inculcate their children with is the idea that you're wrong if you want to have ideas of your own and values of your own. If you refuse to obey me, if you refuse to go along with me, you're a sinner or you're selfish, you're bad, you're wrong. They try and make you feel guilty for having a life of your own, for having values of your own, for pursuing your own happiness. And for any uh, uh, action on your part that uh, involves disobedience to them, they try and inculcate a sense of moral guilt in you, and that is the that is the strongest weapon they have. And what we have to do is not permit the dictators or the bullies to take the moral high ground. We have to assert it's a moral issue. This is preeminently a moral issue. We have to assert our right, our own life, our own values, our own happiness, and and and, and retake the moral high ground from them, which is properly ours. So the things that I heard you say in that are the methods that they use. Number one is brute force, and any anybody who's been in spousal abuse, you know, in that type of a situation, or if you've been a kid who's been abused, then you can see that that threats, or even if a, a father kicks the dog and doesn't hit you directly, you know that he can turn on you with that same degree of force, and yeah, that's sure that's do. threat. That's that's the direct threat. But the more subtle one, the more interesting one, because the other one's so obvious, is that they'll either falsely accuse you, like you're the one that hurt the, my brother. Right. They falsely accuse you, and there's that it's just bogus. But they, they take the moral high ground. Therefore, they have a right to beat you up and steal your money. Or they try to douse you with unearned guilt, a guilt that you never earned. 
and or they call you a sinner, which is the same thing. Can you talk just a little bit about unearned guilt? It's a devastating weapon. It's the it's the bully's main weapon, whether it's uh, Hitler or whether it's the Catholic Church during the Dark Ages. Or right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or whether it's, uh, you know, a manipulative, controlling parent. The honor and guilt is, is the way they get you to feel wrong in and of yourself. And then the rest of the message is the way to expiate your sin, the way to cleanse yourself is to obey me and, 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 and follow my dictates. Do what I tell you. That's what it means to be good. I mean, my mom wasn't nearly as bad as these guys, but you know, she was a Jewish mother. She had an element of it, and, you know, and, and she used to call me selfish all the time. Any time I wanted to go against her wishes, including uh, if I wanted to you know, go out with girls when I was a teenager or, or when I wanted to get married or just wanted to you know, go away to college. So the, the, the unearned guilt, you have to ask what it accomplishes. Unearned guilt is a, is a means by which you are led to obey whoever the bully or the dictator happens to be. That, that, that's, the, that's the trick. That's the dirty secret you have to identify, and you have to throw it off. You have to assert your moral right to your own life, and, and, and in your own mind, be very clear. I have a right to live. I have a right to pursue my own happiness, and I don't accept any shred of guilt, whatever, for simply pursuing my own happiness. Okay. So if you earn guilt, then you accept it, and then you make amends, you apologize, you do whatever you need to do yeah, to... Yeah, some crime with, to, Right, to make amends. But if you have not earned the guilt, if someone says, oh, well, you're so bad or you're so selfish, take a look at what you're being selfish for, and you might want to thank them. Thank you so much for being with me today. This Any is plan, Dr. Dr. Andy Bernstein, one of my favorite people. He's my resident philosopher. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. Anytime. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. The virtue of being productive makes you more lovable, but this does not mean you have to become a millionaire. Productivity requires having a long-range focus on a career, developing the skills you need to be employable, and earning money. Your career gives you a sense of purpose and the financial ability to trade with others in order to sustain and enrich your life. It gives you a sense of pride in yourself. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you're unlovable unless you have a job or career right now. You may be going through a tough personal time, be between jobs, or be unemployed by circumstances beyond your control. Or perhaps you're caring for children or elderly family members. If you're making a genuine effort to improve your situation, you may be perfectly lovable and moral. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy the book at amazon.com.